this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. We had a little issue last night with the recording, and uh, I forgot to hit record for the first minute or so. So uh, we pick it up from there. Have a great day. It helps when you record the program. Hit record. I hope everybody enjoyed their holiday weekend here in the United States and everywhere else, for that matter. Our program was on sporadically last week. We had some issues going on here. I'll describe them in a minute. So, Wednesday, I'm on the way home from uh, my project, and I get a phone call from my son, and he says, uh, Daddy, you got to come home right now. I said, well, I'm stuck in traffic. It's a holiday weekend, James. This is Daddy. Mommy got hit with a baseball. So, uh, my wife uh, was playing catch with my son, and... Uh, he's a avid baseball player. I mean, really into it. I mean, when I say into it, I mean into it. And he's, and my wife, uh, caught the ball and the ball came out of his, out of the glove, right? Sort of like a deflection sort of, and hit her in the face. So we ended up going to, uh, I said, well, now everything is going to be okay, but she's got a black eye. So I end up going to uh, urgent care and spending her Wednesday night in urgent care. And then uh, we had weekends festivities and everything dealing with Thanksgiving. And I wanted to just thank everybody to con- uh, continue to lead here, uh, continue to listen to us. I'm sorry. And we're trying to be the leaders of the safety world here on safety FM. I think all of us are out there with high quality programs where we're trying to make a difference in the safety uh, world. So I got into a little bit of a discussion over the weekend with someone on LinkedIn. I'm not going to go into the whole detail, but it has to do with safety statistics. So uh, here we have in the United States, right? And the debate was that uh, a certain country was much better, much safer than the United States because they only had 123 deaths at, in the workplace. And this is the whole statistics debate. There was a book that I grew up with. Uh, let's see if I can look it up real quick here. It's a classic book, How to Lie with Statistics. Uh, who wrote this? Daniel Huff. I mean, this is like a... Uh, I have like a 1950s version of this book, I think. Uh, the book was written in 1954 and presenting an introduction to statistics for the general reading. However, it was uh, on basic statistics. So, for example, mean, median, and mode, right? We know what the difference is. We have arithmetic mean, right, where you have, uh, you add the numbers up, then divide by the number of, uh, add that, then take that result to divide by the number of numbers that you had up. So if you had added up seven numbers, the end result would have to be divided by seven. Uh, I think we all remember this from high school math. Or uh, median would be the middle, right? That's another kind of average, median, 
right? An average, median, right? Right in the middle where there's so many things. Uh, there's an equal number of uh, statistics above or below that number. And you have the mode, which is the most common, right, number. All of them can be called average. So when someone says average, the average person, the average, well, what exactly do you mean by average? And here we go with this. And, it, you know, that's basic statistics. Well, here we have this. Well, this one country is much more safer than the United States because they had 123 workplace fatalities. The United States had 5,000, for example. And I ran through the numbers, and I said, and we came up with accident rates. And it turns out, that the United States uh, collects data on workplace fatalities different than this other country. It doesn't matter what the other country is. It's irrelevant. And when we started to find out how many hours worked between the United States and this other country, we started to adjust and count apples to apples here, the kind of workplace fatalities to workplace fatalities. What do you figure out? you figure out that, okay, the United States still has a higher rate of accidents. So in reality, once you adjust the numbers for the number of working hours in the, in the countries and everything else, turns out that the United States does not have close to 50 times the number of fatalities per se, but when you adjust it for the numbers, it's actually 1.7 times the number. Now you're going to say, how do you get from 5,000 to, uh, you know, 1.7 times, right? Which, and what it comes down to is we address things with accident rates, things of that nature. That's why next month, uh, when we start to post our, uh, in February it happens, when we generally get all the statistics in January and get everything all compiled from the previous year, we have an accident rate and we're able to average things out and put things in perspective and we have a formula and everything else in there to try to, so we're able to compare apples to apples. So that's what I want to leave you with initially here is apples to apples, right? Uh, I guess we can name this apple, uh, this uh, 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 thing, apples to apples. And we're trying a new format here where we're doing all of this stuff ahead of time on our commentary, our main event, and then we get into the news. And... Right, because a lot of people I'm finding out listen to the first five minutes, right, and and then the, you know, and then they come in later on and this and that. But again, this is uh, afternoon drive time in California, and uh, now eight o'clock on the East Coast here. But what we're uh, what's the point? My point is when someone gives you a number, don't accept the number. Say, how did you come up with that number? Right? What kind of number are you looking at and everything else? And there's a lot of information that goes in behind that number. And this is how people lie with statistics. This is how they uh, push forward a political agenda. Uh, because the average person out there, whatever we call that, however we're going to define that, is not going to go into the numbers. However, you have people like Jim Polzel, me, Go into the like say, well, you came up with that number. How did you get that number? And are we talking, how, how is that? That's an important thing to do because what happens is you're going to end up with egg on your face. And especially in the workplace, you're going to lose credibility. 
with the if you're not communicating the numbers accurately or upfront or honestly or defining numbers. Same thing whenever you go into your, let's say you're writing an industrial hygiene report or you're uh, uh, doing a training class, include the calculations. And the way I preface it when I need to do it, look, I know not everyone's going to understand these numbers or are not mathematicians, not statisticians, but here are the numbers. Here's how they come up with the numbers. And that's because that helps because remember, you do not have to communicate to everybody in that training class. You only have to communicate to the leaders in that training class. Get to the leaders, and then the leaders will communicate it to everybody else. All right? Uh, sort of thing. They're going to follow the leader, right? Uh, that's what it comes down to. So let's say you have a very large workforce. You have several hundred people in a workforce. Do you go through and... Uh, Communicate everything to everybody. Oh, we have to make sure everybody understands. Or you say, hey, look, like in a safety meeting, we're not talking credentialed or where someone has to get a certificate, but in a safety meeting or in a presentation, well, let's communicate to the the decision makers, the people in the C-suites, get them to understand, and then we get everybody else to understand. Just my two thoughts. Uh, We're going to... Uh, Take a brief break here, and we're going to get to the news. Is your safety training old, stale, and hackneyed? Is your safety trainer still preaching a warped version of behavior-based safety? How about safety training that actually addresses your hazards in your workplaces and is not standardized baloney from 25 years ago? Contact the Safety Wars team at safetywars.com or call Jim Polzel at 845-269-5772. Remember, if you're receiving this message, you are the solution to unsafe workplaces. All right, to illustrate what we just talked about, about statistics, Yahoo came out with a wonderful uh, article here on the Qatar, or uh, Gutter, I believe they pronounce it, Gutter World Cup. And uh, article by Henry Bushnell, it's actually a really good article. I'm not going to read the whole thing here. But uh, basically, there's been... Uh, uh, a lot of debate on how many people it, did it die during the preparation for the World Cup since 2010 in, in uh, Qatar, right? The Qatari number has been widely panned as misinformation or at least disingenuous spin. The number that they're throwing out there is like 6,500 workers, all right? The widely regurgitated line uh, about thousands of deaths stems in part from misreadings of a Guardian article whose headline and deck were amended a week after publication, whose claim was this, more than 6,500 migrant workers were killed uh, right since 2010 in preparation for the World Cup, mostly due to, uh, 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 mostly due to uh, stadium construction. So the article, according to a Mr. Henry Bushnell, the article was corrected and amended later on the, from the initial. The article did not say that, that those 6,500 workers were stadium workers and later noted that there were 37 deaths. Big difference, right? Going back to our discussion at the beginning, right? Once we go and we look, well, double-check that, right? 
none of that is disputed. Uh, fa- uh, in fact, according to government fi- uh, figures, over 17,000 migrants of all nationalities have died in Qatar. However, uh, what's misunderstood is that of those 17,000 people that helped build the World Cup stuff, not all of them, uh, uh, 17,000 people, uh, uh, some of those 17,000 people white, built the World uh, Cup facilities, but not all of them, not all of them did, right? So again, what's the actual number? I don't know because we're getting different reports here. Uh, no, some of those, no, okay, those uh, 6,500 people died, but were they, did they die at home? Did they die at work? Did they die uh, uh, in an accident, deliberate? Who knows, right? But it's uh, a little bit misleading, and everyone uh, acknowledges that nobody knows what the actual number is. So this number being thrown out there, 6,500, not accurate. We don't know. We don't know is what the answer is. And uh, thank you, uh, Mr. Bushnell, for actually going and uh, delving a little bit deeper into the numbers here. Okay, next. This is from an OSHA news release last week. We were, gonna, we were going to share it uh, last Wednesday, but couldn't do that. Schomburg, Illinois contractor found exposing workers to a deadly trench cave-in hazard again. Federal safety investigators found a Schomburg excavating contractor has failed to follow federally mandated safety measures to protect workers from potentially deadly cave-ins. Right? So what does OSHA always recommend for uh, this stuff? Right? Everything has to be evaluated by a competent person trained in excavations. Now that person has to have the authority, well, has to be able to have the ability to assess either through education or training or experience, right? Preferably all three, and then be able to assess hazards and be able to correct them. If the person can't correct them, they're not the confident person. We, I got into a debate with this uh, recently on a job where someone had, uh, again, this is an ongoing debate on all the jobs, uh, do you have the authority to correct the mistake? No. Well, then guess what? You're, uh, we're a problem. No, then you're not the competent person. Who does? Well, the owner of the company is the only one that can out. Well, then that person is the competent person, right? Sort of thing. Uh, so trench collapses are the construction in, are among the construction industry's most, most lethal hazards. In the first six months of this year, 2022, OSHA reports that 22 workers suffered fatal injuries in trenching and excavation work. And uh, basically, uh, two employees of this company were in a seven-foot-deep trench uh, uh, working on a municipal sewer and water line without adequate cave-in protection. So what are the basic ways that you tr- protect yourself? OSHA always mentions, this is right on their website, slope, sure, meaning you're going to bench or slope the walls. First, you need to evaluate what kind of soil type you have. Then you slope the walls and then shore them, meaning you put up some type of walls that support the uh, sides of the trench. And then you have a shield. All of this stuff, I'm going to say this, all of these assessments should be documented in writing, checklist something. Uh 
So, and the article goes on and says, look, uh, trenching standards require protective systems on trenches deeper than five feet and soil and other materials kept at least two foot back from the edge of the trench. I think everybody here who listens every day knows that I disagree with the two foot should be back much further than that. All right. Uh, that's my experience and that's my uh, training and education. I have a background with that uh, formal education in pedology, right? That was part of our, uh, my undergraduate work. Pedology is, come on, everybody, what is pedology? The study of soils. Okay. Some news from Houston. Houston boil water notice forces schools to shut down. So right now, Houston, Texas is under a boil water uh, uh, order. Uh, basically, the uh, it's expected to be lifted sometime on Tuesday. But basically, there was a drop in water pressure. And guess what? When there's a drop in water pressure, the uh, likelihood of uh, 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 uh Soil contamination, uh, I'm sorry, water contamination from the soil, from the water surrounding the water supply uh, pipes. Now, the chances of there being an increase in contamination and everything else might be there. So they're recommending boil water orders and also uh, bottled water. And, you know, uh, follow your local uh, government on this one. Uh here is a local story that became a nationwide story here for us. Uh, we have a local airport here called Westchester County Airport. It's in Westchester. It serves uh, Western Connecticut and also uh, 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 Southern New York. Uh, the large planes fly into there as opposed to Stewart Airport up north where that's smaller and also Teterboro. So if you don't want to go to JFK, LaGuardia, or Newark, you go to Westchester. I've flown out of there a couple of times myself. My wife has flown out of there several times. But one person was rescued from a small plane that slammed into a Maryland power line, and that person on Monday. So it took off from Westchester and slammed into a power line in Maryland, causing a power outage uh, to about uh, 12,000 homes. Nobody was... Uh, 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 her, uh, killed with this, thank God. But let's face it. What do you need to, what do you need, what do you need uh, here? You need to be prepared for a power outage because this kind of stuff happens without warning. And you need to have a plan and planning for disasters. That's what the idea is here. This happened in New York City today. Now, this is interesting with fall protection. So, Often, when you're setting up fall protection, depending on the situation, it, uh, OSHA might allow, right, might, uh, big quotes here, I'm using air quotes. By the way, we're going to be videotaping this stuff from now on probably. Might, uh, OSHA might require, uh, might, what? no, not require fall protection when you're setting up fall protection. Right, because if you have, if you're setting up fall protection, by definition, you're not wearing fall protection, or there may not be things in there. But let's remember, if you get hurt at work, your employer is liable. Right, so that's the other thing. Uh, 
So uh, here we have a construction worker setting up a uh, fall protection netting reportedly in the news, allegedly, and the reporter uh, at, and the uh, worker died doing that. Uh, something very interesting there. Construction workers, uh, here's a DOB spokesperson, Ryan, D, Ryan J. Deegan. Uh, construction workers in our city deserve a safe working environment and incidents like today's fatal flaw are unacceptable. We are conducting a thorough investigation along with our partners in law enforcement into exactly how this could have happened and to determine whether any corners are cut on the job that might have been contributing factors. All right. Again, uh, earlier this year, the New York legislature uh, passed Carlos's law, named after construction worker Carlos Moncoya, who died on the job in 2015, the law, which has not yet been signed by Kathy Hochul, the governor, seeks to protect workers by drastically increasing the fines employers face uh, for unsafe working conditions, leading to death between five hundred thousand and a million dollars, up from the current maximum of ten thousand. All right, so we have pending legislation there. So, here we have a story in New Jersey. Uh, from a certain warehouse uh, company that most people use and have heard of. But uh, basically, the injury rates increased uh, by 54% in New Jersey and 20% across the country. Now, uh, basically, they want to... Uh, they wrote this company a letter. As this pattern of insufficient response by such and such a company continues and the effects are evident, it is even more important for this company to address exacerbated safety issues during this. So basically, Cory Booker, so we're going we're going to be watching uh, with this. All right. Uh, and specifically, uh, Senator Booker and Sherrod Brown of Ohio, Booker is from New Jersey, Sherrod Brown from Ohio called on this company to immediately implement paid comprehensive workplace safety trainings for all employees, including temporary workers, take steps to improve warehouse ventilation and air quality, improve shift rotations so that workers are not spending for long periods of time working close to significant heat sources, right? Uh, allow and encourage workers to take preventative cool-down rest in cool areas, address sky-high rates of MSD uh, injuries, uh, musculoskeletal disorders, right? Provide adequate and timely medical referral for doctor's care to injured workers and hire enough workers. Now, this is what I was reading over the weekend, right? We had a lot of time to read this past weekend. This particular company uh, has uh, pretty much exhausted because they're very strict. They have a, pardon me, very high turnover rate at this company. They, and likely in a lot of their markets, they're going to exhaust the warehouse worker. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The warehouse work, the supply of eligible warehouse workers eligible to work at their factories within the next year, if not already. Uh, basically because it's very strict. Uh, uh, there's reports of people complaining of a hellish working environment. People are easily fired, things of that nature. I know uh, some. I've uh, I know uh, talking to people that work there. It's very difficult. What's in the public record? And, you know, people have a lot of complaints, and I say, look, every company 
out there has complaints. I was a warehouse worker for three summers uh, with my brother Wally. I know what it is to be a warehouse worker. It's not uh, easy. And you had quotas that you had to meet and everything else. So in a lot of ways, the warehouse that I worked in, safety was disincentivized. People, we took risks all the time. There are people getting hurt every week. The, uh, the local hospital said, no, nah, not another one of you folks from such and such a company again here. Uh, that was you know, one of the comments. So I don't know. Uh, it, it goes to show you, right? It's the drive to zero. That seems to be where the problem is. Right. Jay Allen had a brilliant commentary on this morning's Rated R Safety Show for Monday, November 28th at roughly 28 minutes after the hour. Uh, on the running to zero, is it even? No. When I go out to a job where I go somewhere and I hear, oh, we have a zero, zero, zero tolerance. We have a zero accidents. We have zero that, zero that. I, I have to think. Well, yeah, all accidents. Jim, do you believe all accidents are preventable? Yeah, all of them are preventable, but you can't prevent all accidents. Right? And this drive to zero, and this drive to zero then eventually gets, means that the employee gets blamed for everything, for normal uh, human error type stuff. And there is human error in a lot of stuff. Um, last week, or I'm sorry, two weeks ago, we had a meeting with my son's uh, baseball team about a certain software program they use play-by-play. And people, one of the reasons why they stopped using it was parents were complaining that the play-to-play wasn't accurate. And what I learned was that even in the major leagues, the play-by-play, the official play-by-play, we don't, we're not talking about the radio announcers over there saying, oh, look at that, that's a strike. That's a ball. That's a Guess what? The official play-by-play often gets updated at the end of the inning on what's a hit, what's a ball, what's an error, what's this, what's that, how things are scored. It gets updated all the time, and that's on the major league level. On a minor league level, or in our case, dad league, right? Dad, D-A-D league, or dad coaching, or parent coaching, I should say now, because a lot of women, like my wife, coach, help coach. Help run the teams. Uh, all of them make mistakes. So uh, this uh, person was getting grilled a little bit. Well, this, uh, not at the meeting, but outside the meeting, I said, look, seven to eight errors an hour you're going to make on that on that uh, program. That's normal. That's what to be expected, but we got to be reasonable here with that. Uh, with that, and it's the same thing here. Workers are going to make mistakes. Workers are going to have issues. Right? You're dealing with you're not dealing with a freaking machine. You are dealing with a human being with this. Right? We're gonna save off on that. Here's another uh uh press release from OSHA from last week. The U.S. Department's uh, OSHA, U.S. Department of Labor's OSHA, is seeking nominations for a membership of the Maritime Advisory Committee on Occupational Safety and Health. Committee nominees should have strong interest in safety and health of workers in the shipyard, longshoring, and commercial fishing industries. The Secretary of Labor will 
Select 15 members to create broad-based, balance a diverse committee representing the interests of employers, employees, safety and health professional organizations, government organizations, with interests or activities related to the maritime industry. Members will serve two-year terms, and the advisory committee uh, meets approximately twice per year. And you can go on to the website to figure out how to submit your name or somebody else's. This is from a uh, retailer that uh, has been targeted uh, from Wadosha, right, as a high-frequency violator or whatever the appropriate ter term is. But, uh, again, they got whacked again here uh, at an Ohio, uh, Columbus, Ohio location. And it's real basic stuff. Not keeping the storeroom clean, orderly, and sanitary, meaning it's disorganized. The housekeeping issues, not storing material safely. Uh, exit signs and storerooms, right? Exit uh, ensure the ability to exit safely. Failure to failing to mount fire extinguishers. Uh, they're up to fifteen million, right? And proposed uh, penalties. That's what it starts out with. That that's not where it goes to since twenty seventeen. It's incredible. Uh, I interviewed one of the, uh, or not interviewed, spoke to one of the employees or, Hey, do you know anything about this? Or, Oh no, we're not told. Hey, anything. Hey, what kind of safety training do you have? Oh, we don't get safety training. What's that? We get, you know, like 10 minutes. Oh, okay, great. And again, all this is easily, uh, remedied. We're going to start talking a little bit about financial issues here with this. pull up the all right so we have some stuff going on here with this where uh, uh, Chevron has gotten the go-ahead to pump more oil out of Venezuela really well I guess that's to uh, 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 increase the supply of order order increase the supply of oil. And then hopefully drop the prices with that. Here we have also where is that? I'm sorry, bear with me. This is a story out of the Wall Street Journal where they have a guy up in Rhode Island, right? This reminds me of the old thing from a certain delivery company that wears brown shirts and brown pants, where they used to have a, uh, what do you call it? A contest every year and a pool to see who could, who was the last person to put on a pair of pants. So you had people out there like a foot of snow. They're out there in shorts, right? Uh, delivering, uh, 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 packages and everything. And apparently this guy uh, there's a guy by the name of Brian Chevalier in Rhode Island. Uh, he has this whole thing where uh, he was going to, uh, well, how late does he turn on the heat? All right, last year is December 19th for him. And I didn't know there was like a thing out there. Well, we're going to wait to see uh, how uh, long it takes for us to turn on the heat. Apparently, this guy, uh, 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 now, this guy has a lot of interest this year. He had, keeps a Facebook page and everything and Twitter page. But basically now, with 
the part with the soaring costs of energy and the reduction in supply of uh, fuel oil and other fuels in New England, people have taken interest. We have a lot of people out there not turning on the heat. My question is this. In other countries, they do this at a necessity, right? I don't know if this is out of necessity for this gentleman. And they're freezing to death. And this opposite thing happens in the summer where we have countries in Europe where they had power issues a number of years ago and into the five figures, people dying because of lack of of, uh, air conditioning and they uh, die of heat strokes. I don't know. I don't want to die. I don't know what's worse, dying from a heat stroke or dying from freezing to death. So, uh, anyway, uh, my parents were like this also. The heat never got turned up above 67 degrees in the house unless you had a pretty darn good reason. And I tried that out in my house. It didn't work so well. No, I'm sorry. Uh, everybody likes it hot in here. And let's remember, during the heat of the uh, Jimmy Carter administration, late 1970s, people were making fun of Jimmy Carter because during the energy crisis, he's, he, he had you know, put on a sweater. Guess what? My father said, that's a damn good idea, Jimmy. You throw you cold, you put on a sweater. Here's some woolen socks. We're not going to uh, and forget, you know. And God forbid you leave the door open, right? Uh, funniest story was my... Uh, I got into trouble in kindergarten or in kindergarten, I think it was. And my teacher says, uh, and the uh, principal said, well, Jimmy's a very good kid, but he keeps on turning the lights off. When he, you know, every time he leaves the room, he turns the lights off. My mother was, couldn't have been prouder. She said, yeah, because if he doesn't do that at home, he gets punished because we're all about saving energy here. So, they said, if uh, no, I'm sorry he turned does that, but that's the instructions that he has that when he leaves the room, he turns the light off every time, right? And that and the schoolhouse rock, uh, you know, taught me to be energy con- conscious. And of course, uh, you know, I get a good pat on the back. Here we have the Mauna Loa volcano hit in Hawaii erupts for the first time in nearly 40 years. No evacuation orders were issued, but uh, officials advised residents to review their preparedness plan. Again, preparedness. Second story today. First story on electrical stuff. Right, with the uh, crashing of the plane into the electric, uh, into a power lines. Right down in uh, Montgomery, uh, Montgomery uh, Maryland area. Right? Again, you don't know when this disaster might hit sometimes. I'm not saying be paranoid, right? We're not going to run around and be paranoid out there. We're going to be empowered, not paranoid, right? And here we have Mauna Loa, right, located on the big island of Hawaii, erupted for the first time in 38 years. So, uh, you know, so in 1984, right, we had another eruption. What was it? Hold on. Okay, that was 1978. Van Halen's eruption was in 78. Wow. Uh, Hold on, when was that? I'm sorry, I'm getting off topic here. 
That was okay. That was a running from the devil. I thought it was in 1984, but anyway, I was wrong. So, uh, uh, basically, the uh, Mauna Loa is erupting. The largest volcano around my uh, wife was shocked because she uh, uh, was there, and she's a man. That's the big one, right? Mauna Loa Summit is inside Hawaii Volcanoes National Park. I just hope I get a good supply of macadamia nuts, right? Because it's Mauna Loa, Mauna Loa macadamia nuts. I know, bad joke. I hope it's not impacted. Safety Wars is streaming now. SafetyFM.com In the professional safety community, communication and planning are just a few keys to your program's success. The question many practitioners have is, where do I start? Dr. Jay Allen, the creator of the Safety FM platform and host of the Rated R Safety Show, has built a global foundation to help you along the way. Go to safetyfm.com and listen to some of the industry's best and most involved professionals, including Blaine Hoffman with The Safety Pro, Sam Goodman with The Hop Nerd, Sheldon Primus with The Safety Consultant, Jim Pozell with Safety Wars, Emily Elrod with Unapologetically Bold, and many others. As individuals, we can do great things, but as a team, we become amazing. Dial into safetyfm.com today and surround yourself with a powerful force of knowledge and support. OSHA recordables, first aid cases, catastrophic losses. You want answers? So do I. This is Jim Polzel with Safety Wars. Okay, we are back from our brief bit break there. I uh, was working on some other cut-ins or whatever we were calling them uh, over the weekend, right? And uh, we'll try them out in the next couple of days here. We're going to talk about some financial stuff. Dow Jones Industrials is failed today, 33,849. S&P 500 is down, 39,63.94. NASDAQ at 11,049, falling. Russell 2000, 18.30, fell. U.S. Treasury 10-year notes dropped 3.7 to 3.7. Bitcoin is down again, 16,192. I think it hit 15,000 over the weekend, somewhere in the 15,000s, but... A crude oil is trading at uh, $77 a barrel, and that's down from 90 from the beginning of last week, I think it was. So uh, probably because we're increasing the supply. Precious metals. Gold at $17.52. Silver, $21.20. Platinum at $1,007. And palladium at $1,887. So... Uh, that's financials for the day, and a lot going on, right, over in uh, Ukraine. Some developments over there. Ukraine warns some more strikes on PowerPoints as Russians dig in. Russian forces are fortifying positions in southern Ukraine, retreating from Kyrgyzstan, and the Kremlin denied planning to withdraw from Zaporizhia. I'm... I'm going to have to go start over here. Is that poor Ritz? He's a power, nuclear plant. 
right? So, uh, basically, Moscow reportedly is uh, preparing for a new wave of strikes on energy plants, basically putting the squeeze on them. Uh, however, right, the war goes one way this today, another way tomorrow, and everything else. Uh, there's been a lot of unrest, uh, reportedly, in uh, Russia on all the stuff... Uh, now, all this stuff, uh, now, why is it taking so long? <laughs> sort of thing. Uh, I'm not rooting for Russia. I think everybody knows that. Uh, but, uh, no, it's bad situation war. So, reportedly, for, uh, European foreign ministers from seven countries met in met Zelensky in Kiev... All right, uh, and what this is basically it. Uh, Mr. Zelensky, the President Zelensky, is requesting more military aid for Ukraine to preserve what remains of its energy grid, and they want more uh, anti-aircraft defense systems to defend against Russian missiles and Iranian drones. So, uh, representatives from Estonia, Iceland, Latvia, Lithuania... Sweden, so if you recall, Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania are the Baltic republics of the former Soviet Union. Lithuania used to be part of Poland. Uh, Sweden, Finland, and Norway, right? All, a lot of these countries have historically have had issues with Russia or the Soviet Union, right? Uh, three of them being former Soviet uh, satellite republics here. Uh, now, this the whole thing is a freaking mess. Pray. That's all I have to say. Pray. Congress. Uh, oh, hold on. Russia. Uh, we're still talking about the war. Russia cancels armed control talks, according to the U.S. Washington had hoped the Cairo meeting would lead to resumption inspections under uh, the new START treaty. Right? Uh So uh, what they're hoping is is to that talks between Washington and Moscow will resume to try to shore up the last of the uh, uh, last major arms treating with nuclear weapons with Russia. Uh, since we're in, for all intents and purposes, fighting a proxy war with Russia through Ukraine, I don't hold out hope on that. Any meetings anytime soon, unfortunately. Let's talk about COVID here. We haven't talked about biological stuff. We're going to do an extended program. We're probably going to repeat some of these articles uh, tomorrow. U.S. life insurers paid a record $100 billion in 2021 in death benefits, right, because of COVID deaths. So this is basically what it comes down to. You have a life insurance. Um, these life insurance companies are hoping that they're never going to have to pay out on stuff. That's no. So you can have a term or whole life policy. They're hoping that you, they don't have her, uh, have to pay out. No, the term policies are typically cheaper because people have them for a term and they cancel them out. Right. So there's not a lot of payouts on those. So guess what happens They're They don't, well, they're cheaper and they make a lot of moolah on them. Uh, now, let's talk about the whole life insurance policies. There's going to be a death benefit eventually with that, assuming you keep paying into it. So guess what? 
you have 1.1 million deaths in COVID, you're going to have a lot of payouts. That's what the current number is. So uh, payouts rose 11% to in 2021 to 100.19 billion, most likely due to the pandemic, according to the American Council of Life Insurers. The increase was on the heels of a 15-year over over your rise in 2020 when the death payouts were $90 billion, over $90 billion. But it's, I don't know. This is basically it. Now, uh, uh, apparently during the flu pandemic of 1918, they had an increase in payouts also. Uh, so what does it come down to? COVID, right? COVID has a lot of uh, unforeseen circumstances here. It's a shame. Okay. Deadly fire in China fuels protests. So if you've been looking at the news all weekend long, right? China has had no, they, what do they have? The, they have the gold to zero. There was a quote, and I forget who said it over the weekend, but it was very apropos. If your tyranny costs a lot of money and a lot of effort to administer and to maintain and everything, and it was specifically to the zero COVID policy of China, maximum effort maximum resources and everything to maintain the situation there. When you apply it to your organization, like Jay Allen was talking about this morning with the zero accidents, right? That's a lot of effort that goes into that. If you have zero, uh, uh, a zero accident policy, where we're not going to have any accidents here, and that's your goal, the minute that there's an accident, guess what? You failed in your thing. You're a safety professional. You bear the brunt of that usually and the person getting hurt. Well, you weren't doing your job because you weren't worth this person when they got hurt. I've heard that multiple, multiple times. Now we have a response to that, right? Where your zero accident policy doesn't make sense for a whole host of reasons and it's a bunch of guvno on that baloney. Right, and that's what it is. And guess what? You don't want to say that in front of people, but you can pull the person who's in charge. Look, you're being unrealistic. Guess what? You're gonna. Chances are, you're not gonna get fired. Chances are, they're gonna be like, "Wow, he's talking that." What? This is what happened to a former boss of mine. He said, "Jimmy, you're talking that way to me. I want you on my side." With that, because you're right, and it was on another issue, on that. No, because I know you're gonna look after the company's. Uh, the company's uh, 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 interests, my interests, since I'm the owner of the company and everything else with that. Uh, so here we have Chinese unrest over lockdown, upends global economic outlook. Growing protests in the world's biggest manufacturing nation, this is from the Wall Street Journal, add a new element of uncertainty atop the Ukraine war and energy crisis and inflation. So people in a lot of parts of China have been on lockdown 
up to a certain uh, certain level since the beginning of this pandemic. Some of these cities over there have been under lockdown for three or four months. People are getting cabin fever. People were killed in an apartment fire reportedly last week. This is not a good thing here. So what happens? You put this is what happened in this country. We had people under lockdown, and what did we have? We had people who were able to sit down for the first time ever. I suspect this is what's going on in China. And they say, what the hell am I doing with my life? They start researching the internet. They start getting conspiracy theories. They get riled up. They're unhappy with the way they, because they weren't able to think. Well, no, had no uh, time to reflect on their life. And what happens? They end up, we have riots. We have social unrest. We have all this other stuff. Stuff that had been under the surface, boiling away for years. Now people had time to organize. And it doesn't matter whether you're on the left or the right. Because we see it on both sides here. With all of the riots that caused two to three billions of dollars in damage throughout the United States with all of the, uh, uh, okay, okay, I'm getting the signal here. Put on that swamp music, the swamp. Okay, you want the swamp? You got the swamp. All right. You're, where we have it on one end, where we have people destroying cities and rioting in cities because they had a lot of stuff that wasn't resolved for years and they were unhappy with. And then you have on the other end, you have the January 6th situation, which by the way, no, I wasn't on the air with Safety FM then. I mentioned to one of my friends, he said, Jimmy, are you going down to Washington? Or I said, are you crazy? There's going to be a problem down there. You're guaranteed to have a problem down there with the way things are going. And he went, he, he said, you know what? You're right. I'm not going down there. And other people I know went and guess what? They have a problem, right? They're not personal associates or anything, but you know, people I know, friends of friends, they have a problem now because of what happened. Well, I guess this is probably what's going on in China. If I had to, and I'm, I'll speculate a little bit, keep people locked up, take away their agency. Their decision-making options and everything for three or four months. What the hell are you going to expect to do? China, you know, very intelligent people in China. They couldn't see that this is going to add to more and more problems. So now what's going to happen? Let's bring this full circle. Now you're going to have a situation here in China where they're going to have to put out more resources to control the population here. And to enforce the, and this doesn't seem to be coming uh, to an end here. The zero uh, COVID policy that they have here, right? And this is what this is: zero accidents. We know what we have problems. or safety professionals. Zero COVID policy. You think they're going to have problems because it's impossible to do? And they've had uh, reportedly last week uh, uh, two days where they had over forty thousand infections. 37, 30, something like that. It doesn't matter exact number. I'm talking about statistics, you can look it up and try to figure out how they come up with these numbers. But not a good thing, right? With this in China. So we're going to take a little bit of a break here. I got to get some uh, water here and we will be back. Safety Wars is streaming now. Safety FM. 
Facebook.com. Is your safety training old, stale, and hackneyed? Is your safety trainer still preaching a warped version of behavior-based safety? How about safety training that actually addresses your hazards in your workplaces and is not standardized baloney from 25 years ago? Contact the Safety Wars team at safetywars.com or call Jim Polzel at 845-269-5772. Remember, if you're receiving this message, you are the solution to unsafe workplaces. You are listening to Safety Wars. Tomorrow's safety today. God, I love it when computers lock up here. All right. Let's talk about some stuff. And this came across one of my newsletters today that pointed out that OSHA has a new uh, website out there with an emphasis on workplace stresses from OSHA.gov. And I'm going to go through some of this stuff. So we understand... No, workplace stress. What does it you know, uh, uh, cause? Causes a lot of problems. What are some of the stressors that may induce some type of workplace stress? And, uh, reportedly, 80% of the workers have reported experienced workplace stress at, at one time or another, and more than 50% believe their stress is related to work and impacts their home life. I'm going to run through some of the things. Job security. Might be a workplace stressor, lack of access to tools and equipment needed to perform the work safely, fear of employer retaliation, facing confrontation from customers and other people in the working environment, adapting to new or different workspace or schedule or work rules, having to learn new or different tasks or take on more responsibility, having to work more frequent or extended shifts, and being unable to take adequate breaks. Physical to demanding work, learning new communication tools, learning of work-life boundaries. So, for example, uh, we went into uh, that as an example when we were doing uh, talking about Saul Alinsky's rule for radicals, keeping the pressure on people. What what what's one of the strategies? And I used to get it all the time. Uh, now, calling you up on a holiday weekend with a work problem that could wait till Monday, right? And that happens all the time. So we had an issue, for example, one of my projects on Wednesday. Guess what? I didn't talk about it till this morning. And the email I sent out last night had specifically on it, don't, don't read this until tomorrow, right? Why? Because I don't want people, because it happened to me more than one time where I go out on vacation for a week and then they whack me the day before I get back to work with all this crap, right? Not cool, right? Learning new communication tools. Yeah, that's me trying to learn to operate this computer and do this program. Finding ways to work simultaneously, caring for children, including overseeing online schooling and juggling caregiving. We, so my wife had this, and I went to children with remote learning during COVID. Concerned about work performance. So what do you do about it, right? Well, if you're an employer, you can create a judgment-free, shame-free workplace. Be transparent as possible, right? Don't be stupid about it, but be transparent as possible. Provide access to mental health resources. Encourage workers to seek help when needed and train managers. Now, I think, uh, and to recognize and talk about mental health and substance abuse, I think Europe, uh, specifically the UK, does a really good job because this is a requirement in their uh, work rules where you have to you know, have mental health programs, things of that nature. 
What can you do if you're a worker? Talk to workers and supervisors. Share ideas about reducing workplace stress. Take advantage of existing mental health resources and ask for help. So, for example, with my employees, I, I had to let them know that the work, uh, our insurance company was supplying free mental health uh, uh, resources. To, all right. What can you do if you're an employer or a worker? Talk openly about workplace stress and collaborate on identifying solutions. That's a good, if, a good thing for your career to do, right? Talk openly about workplace stress and collaborate in identifying solutions. Monitor one another and talk about mental health concerns. Watch for changes in attitudes and behaviors and tell someone if a person's signs or symptoms worry you. Last week with a workplace shooting, this might have helped. Might have. We're still finding out information on that. Uh, where a supervisor reportedly went nuts, allegedly. Right? Reducing workplace stress benefits. Uh, work, reducing workplace stress benefits everyone through enhanced quality of life, lower blood pressure, stronger immune system, better sleep, more positive outlook, increased productivity, improved morale, fewer sick days, better focus, fewer workplace injuries. And I can tell you, uh, I've known a lot of people who have had a lot of health issues. I had a very close family uh, member have health issues because of stress. Ended up killing him. That's my brother at 55. All right, so this hits a little bit close to home for me. Part of what we do here on Safety Wars, the broadcast and the podcast, we've tried to identify areas and ways of people, how to manage stress, how to identify problems. That's the whole idea of teaching leadership, uh, Saul Alinsky's rule for radicals, gaslighting, sea lioning, all these concepts was to give us tools on how to fight that safety war and how to reduce our stress in the workplace. And that's what this is all about, right? We're at safe workplaces, fighting that safety war. For safety wars, this is Jim Pozel. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.